every single action that you have ever taken started as a thought. So when you change the way you think, you will change the way you act, and you will change the way you live. That is hyper-conscious. No matter what you're going through right now or ever have gone through, the only way your life changes is if you change first. That is what we are here to help you do. A huge shout-out to our friend and mentor, David Meltzer of the Playbook Podcast, for sponsoring this podcast. They are Kevin Paul Mieri and Alan Lazaros, the Hyper Conscious Podcast crew. Been coaching them for years, mentoring them for years. They're like family to me. Um, they weren't so good looking. I'd say they were like sons or, or nephews, but I guess I could call them nephews. I got a good looking nephew. Anyway, well, welcome to the coaching session of Office Hours, boys. Thank you for having us. As always, we're ready to roll, ready to hammer. So. I just uh, recently started listening again to Connected to Goodness, uh, the audio version. And you talked about being an eagle when it comes to sales, an eagle versus a journeyman. And I realized, like, looking back into your story, there's a lot that I forget about who Dave Meltzer used to be. And you were always very, very skilled when it, comes, when it came to sales and persuasion. What is the difference between an eagle which I think Alan always was, and a journeyman, which I think I kind of started off as. And what do you attest your success in specifically early sales to? Yeah, so an eagle is quantum, right? An, an eagle is someone that can share a vision with their enthusiasm, right? Entheos is that connection that we talk to, the connected to goodness, connected to God, connected to source, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, whatever you call it, this unbelievable source of light, love, and lessons. That's where enthusiasm comes from. So there's certain people that are enthusiastic or in theos with sales, with being able to share a vision and to motivate and hopefully even inspire someone to, to do something that they want them to do. Eat their broccoli. You know, that's where the conception of two minute drill, my new my new show that's going to be on Bloomberg. Right. The idea is to teach people enthusiasm, to teach them the ability to stimulate interest transition interest and share a vision in a very short amount of time. So an eagle just does that naturally. And they don't do it consistently. Uh, they don't do it persistently. Um, and they don't do it in a pursuit of, of their own potential. They're born with a very high level potential. I remember, I hate to age myself, but there was a wide receiver for the back San Diego Chargers, a guy named John Jefferson. And he was an extraordinary talent. And, you know, Nobody knows who he is today unless they were a Chargers fan, I promise you. Uh, but John Jefferson was an extraordinary talent that was an eagle in football, just born with unbelievable natural ability. But they cut him and, and traded him for Wes Chandler, who was a journeyman, uh, a guy that had probably a little bit less quantum talent than John Jefferson, but he was like Jerry Rice. Right? Jerry, Jerry Rice is a journeyman. You know, didn't even make a Division I school. Uh, but worked consistently, persistently in the pursuit of his potential and still the greatest Hall of Famer in wide receiver ever with so many records. Uh, if you have eagle talent and a journeyman pr process, you will have extraordinary success. You will be legendary success. And so I think in my sales career, what happened was that I was born in Theos with quantum sales ability, selling ice to Eskimos from the time I was a little boy, being able to 
you know, oversell, back end sell, lie, manipulate, cheat, and inspire and motivate people to do what I wanted them to do. But because I wasn't born with that in the sports side of things, I learned to be a journeyman. You know, I always joke around, but people ask me, what's the closest I've come to my potential? And it's, you know, being an average Division three football player because that was where my potential lied. And I worked so consistently, so persistently, even though everyone said I could do it. Everyone, every year, imagine your, your, your love of life in every year when you stepped on the field, every single coach, every single parent, including your own mom who didn't want you to play, would say, you know, hey, you're third string. Sorry, you know, there's better out there. Every single time, no matter what you did the year before, no matter, right? No matter what you did the year before, I, I was starting in college and I came back in and then there was some, you know, kid from Texas that was six foot two and ran faster than me and all this. And all of a sudden I dropped down on the chart to number two, right? What, like this is the way, but that is what made me me because when I learned to apply that process to my entheos, to what God had given me, my quantum ability, this eagle. And so I think everyone you know, find that eagle potential and apply the journeyman process and you will be legendary. Mm. Dave, that was absolutely good question, man. Good I question. think Alan and I are that. I think that's why we make such a good team because I was the very journeyman and Alan was the, the eagle. And we now combine forces. Uh, yeah, we learn from each other. I'm going to read right from the script on this one because I prepped a lot for this one and I want to make sure these questions come out right. So number one is what specific questions do you ask yourself most often that have given you the most useful feedback. You talk about angling towards what you want. So if you're not, you can be your own coach. You can ask the right questions. Do you have questions you ask yourself every day or regularly? One of mine is where am I negotiating with myself? Where am I making decisions I might regret? What are, what are some of the questions that have changed your life? Well, the number one question that changes my life is why, you know, why do I feel that way? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? I'm always asking myself why. In other words, it evokes the be more interested than interesting attitude of figuring out, you know, that interference or corrosion uh, that I'm calling. And when I'm introspectively asking, it's why, right? Why? And then the second question, uh, because why also, by the way, evokes gratitude and forgiveness, right? Why is this happening? I'm thankful it's happening. And I'm grateful and, and I'm forgiving, you know, for, for it. But then comes, of course, the two questions that I always ask. What it what did I do? Now that I know why, what did I do to attract it to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? Mm. If you do the why, what, what, those three questions, you will expand, grow, and accelerate. You will get great clarity, balance, and focus into not only what do you want, but why you want it tying in the purpose, right? And getting to the most important context, which is knowing your what every day, not being afraid to be a hypocrite, using the five daily practices of the habit machine from taking inventory of your values, asking and attracting, uh, studying your calendar, doing it now and practicing ending fear. The last question, of course, that I do ask is, you know, for help. Do you know anyone that can help me? But I'm not really asking me that I'm asking other people. So I would say, you know, why, what, and what put me into the introspective growth and acceleration that I'm looking for. And it probably allows me knowing my what to ask other people, do you know anybody that can help me with my why, what, and what? 
do you, if you don't mind, quick right, follow absolutely, absolutely. do you do you ask the universe, God, source, whatever you believe in, for help? Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, okay. So, oh, yeah. so I think it's really important, right? Before there was written word, there was if you were here earlier, right? There was the spoken word. Uh, speaking is a frequency, a vibration, and that vibration creates a void, a shortage. I mean, sorry, a void. It creates a vacuum for you to fill. And the universe is expansive and all-knowing and all-being and abundant. So I ask all the time, but I ask for something as it's already done. So I don't ask, and I, I, I'm also, when I ask, grateful for it already, even though it hasn't appeared yet. So what I'm asking for is the ability, strength, perspective, clarity, balance, and focus to access what already exists. I'm not asking for help. I'm asking to access, to clear the way, the path to what already exists. And I'll, a lot of times when I'm asking the universe, I'm following it up with it's done, it's done, it's done, just to remind myself that it's already there. And I'm asking for assistance in accessing what's already there from a higher source. So Alan and I were talking about your latest road to revenue about transition and how you have like the four steps, aware, uh, awareness, resistance, research, and then commitment. I and Alan and I have been talking about this. How do you know you're not aware enough? So when I come on here, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to ask Dave? I know Dave is way more aware than I am, but I don't know how aware you are because I can't understand it yet. So how do you know how aware you actually are? And what's the catalyst for people to say like, oh, you know what? I need to become more aware of what is. All right. Write this down. You don't know what you don't know. That's it. You don't know what you don't know. So you'll never be aware of what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. You live for an instant between limitlessness and infinity. And that's where radical humility is so important as I keep it on my nightstand and on my screensaver, little notes around to remind myself about I don't know that I don't know. Imagine, just try to fathom, because I don't think we can, right? We can't even fathom the size of the audience and community that we live in and we have access to. But remember, there's billions of galaxies. So, you know, when I'm trying to coach people into understanding and at least gather what they know in a vibrational awareness sense of what they have access to, just in a pragmatic material world that we can actually give you a number of the people that are on the internet. And I tell people, you can't even fathom what that means. Now times that by billions and billions. Because if, if that's in existence, then times that by billions of billions. So I think one of the greatest lessons of radical humility and to institute rule number six, meaning don't take yourself so seriously, boys. You don't know what you don't know, right? And we're just sitting here in an instant of a second in between limitlessness and, and infinity. So that's why we need to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential, not being overwhelmed by the unfathomable, not being overwhelmed by what we don't know, not entering too far into the anxiety zone because uncertainty will certainly give us anxiety. And I keep preaching and teaching and telling people, stop saying that you know these are uncertain times because I will repeat myself again. If you two guys or anyone else knows what's gonna happen 10 minutes from now, please call me so we can make billions of dollars, okay? <laughs> because nobody knows. And I keep on joking. I said, you know, these people that'll say, oh my God, it's such uncertain times. I was like, you know what? I think 
aliens could come and take everybody that's five foot seven and under. That would create significant change, but it would not change the amount of uncertainty that exists. All it would do is accelerate change even farther and more crazy than it's already accelerated change in 2020. But it doesn't change the amount of uncertainty that exists, even if aliens came down while we're on office hours and took me away because I'm 5'7". I'd be it, going too, Dave. I'd be going with you. Exactly. I'll go with so, Alan would have his own show. He'd take over <laughs> office hours for good. But what my point is, it doesn't change the statistic or the mathematical occurrence of uncertainty. It just creates really accelerated change. And I think that's an area that everyone can do better in, in the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential. If they understand the anxiety zone and uncertainty itself, knowing we don't know what we don't know, keeping themselves in a learning zone under the context of awareness of, I can only be aware of everything that vibrates equal to or less than me. Mm. <clears throat> I'm going to go back to the script, but there is one question I want to do before that. I heard this one quote one time, the quality of your life will ultimately be determined by the amount of uncertainty you can handle at any given moment. Now, you deal with a lot of moving parts in your life, far more than Kevin and myself. How, how do you explain that quote in a way that that helps people understand that life does not get when you go to the NFL, it's not easier. It's more challenging, right? And so when you achieve your dream, like we got this studio, that was a dream. Life got, we got more opportunities, which is great, but that brings more challenge, which brings more growth, which brings more learning. How do we help people understand that quote where it's like, we can squat this heavy weight, you're squatting way heavier weight metaphorically, um, and that that's a good thing. And that you now at 57, I believe, 52, sorry, I apologize. 57, brother. Um, you're you're dealing with a lot more variables in your life than you were at 25 yeah how do we explain this uh what's your perspective and and it's in connected to goodness and you know you can see my email below so somebody wants the book this is a really good thing to learn um and it's the comfort learning and anxiety zone concentric circle diagram and so Think about everything's expanding. And my idea of expansion is that the more it expands, it creates a vacuum, right? So if if I have a a container of water and I expand out the sides, you know how the water goes like this in the middle? Right. That's what the universe is doing. And it's, we get to fill it with what we want. It doesn't have to fill with the same water. We can fill it with cleaner water, better tasting water, higher vibrational water, whatever we want. Because you can put your filter on it based on your values, right? And your decisions. Mindset, heart set, things they do believe in, understanding awareness of the quantum memory that we have, characteristics, obsessions, addictions, et cetera. So follow me on this. If everything's expanding and this is my comfort zone and this is then my learning zone and this is my anxiety zone, if I continually learn, if I stay in this learning zone where you guys are, right, in, in these questions, Well, pretty soon my comfort zone becomes the size of my learning zone. My learning zone becomes what used to make me anxious, but it does not change. The anxiety zone's bigger. Right. right? So when you're in the NFL, you've expanded your comfort zone to a great level, but there's still things in the anxiety zone. And what we want to do is continually stay and expand and fill up all this below with what we want. Not what with other people want for us, not with what we don't want, which is the major hamper. These two things are, you know, what I call life killers. When we start 
electing into our lives what we don't want, electing into our lives what other people want for us instead of what we want. But you can't know what you want unless you do the why, what, what, unless you take inventory of your values, ask and attract sooner your calendar to do it now and practice ending fear. You can't. But it's very important. This question is at the basis, the foundation, in connected to goodness, which I'll give free for everybody, david at dmelzer.com. Just email me. And if you understand what we're talking about, boys, right? It's making and expanding, but remembering, remember, recollect. Think about these words. What does that mean? Remember, reunite, recollect, access. People say recollect. Oh, I recollect that. I remember that. So I would need you guys to remember that we're always expanding and growing, that we have the potential to learn more, but there's always an anxiety zone. There's always uncertainty when we're expanding, or if we're not even expanding, it'll always be there. What we don't want to do is shrink it down. So all there is is anxiety zone where I can't even get out of bed. It used to be such a quandary to me how somebody that had a hyper-actualizing life could you know, have a nervous breakdown, they called it, where they couldn't even get out of bed. I totally understand how that happens. They pushed and pushed and they got too far outside the anxiety zone. If you live in the anxiety zone, things stop expanding and pretty soon, you know, you can't handle anything where you want to be where my life is, like you said, right? Handle more and more and more every day, but yet I still have anxiety. Mm. My goodness. Just the right amount of it. Well, that's what our practice is, right? Making sure that I'm pushing that envelope, that that line of stepping over into anxiety as much as I can, but not allowing me to stop expanding. So I step back into the learning zone, being stop, drop, and roll, being a ferocious Buddha, meditation, starting my day at the highest frequency, you know, plateauing and growing, all the things that we've been talking about for years now between all three of us. So Dave, I don't know if we're up against it. I know we had till half no. past. Yeah, I, I worked out early, man. We got extra time today. Make sure we respect. So Alan and I have been talking about this a lot. I think my tactic, well, I won't say my tactic. My approach is usually to give people tactics. I usually give people the fish. Alan teaches people how to fish. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, which one of those is more, well, I know which one is more valuable, but why do so many people want the tactics versus the deeper understanding? Mm, fire question. Because for me, like, That was, and I know you know this, I was very scarce when we started this coaching. It was like, Dave, I understand time is not real, but like I'm broke now. And I remember you said like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And for me, it was that like, now I feel very good. I feel very certain. My level of uncertainty and the anxiety zone is like way past. I'm, I'm very certain. I'm very comfortable now, very happy. And it's a lot because I was able to like release the expectations of now. So you've definitely shifted that for me. But why is that? Why do I long for that so much? For the pragmatic chat tactics of how to do it? Yeah, I want to do it now. Because it it gives us certainty, right? It, it gives us certainty when we attach our emotions to an outcome and we figure out tactically how we think we can get there. Remember the context of the overall vision of what hopefully I've empowered both of you with is one, you know, especially, you know, Kevin, uh, you know, be happy with where you are right now. Feel blessed that you're at the right place at the perfect time. Everyone that's listening, you are at the right place at the perfect time. What I want to teach you is how to efficiently, effectively, and with statistically success with the lens of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, angle to what you want. 
and to know the why, what, what in order to know what you want. But even more importantly, give you the faith, the inspiration to know that you're going to end up somewhere better than that. Mm. To not just concern yourself with, as Kevin wants you to concern yourself with, with what just surrounds you now, but instead expand your understanding to what surrounds what surrounds you now. And if you can blend what surrounds what surrounds you now, you will not only accelerate what you're trying to do with that efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success with a lens of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, but most importantly, you will be able to empower others to empower others to do the same. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for listening to another episode of Us. You guys listen to us enough. We want to talk to you. We want to know what you are going through in your life and how we can help you better. So if you reach out to myself at NeverQuitKid on Instagram or Alan at Lazarus 88 send us a message, video, audio, text, whatever it is. We just want to get to know you guys better. We want to hear from you. Also, if you go to the hyperconsciouspodcast.com, click on join hashtag hyperconsciousnation. When Kevin and I look back at the last three and a half years since starting the show, it's the people we met that made the biggest difference. At one point, Tiff and Amy were just people who were listening to this show who then got a part of this community. Do not underestimate the power of a like-minded growth community and what it can do for your life. You think we should stop blabbering now? Yes. Okay, we will get back into it and we hope you will enjoy. Talk to you soon. Bye. I think that when it comes to game theory, infinite game versus finite game, if one person wants to be the best basketball player they can possibly be, losing one game is a good thing. If someone wants to win a game this week and it needs to happen, they're in scarcity. And I think what's interesting is one person's going to take that failure and use it as a report card to become the best basketball player that they can be. The other person's going to let it affect them and maybe stop playing altogether. And so I think you've taught us so, so much, much in terms of that, yeah. in terms of us playing an infinite game. From your perspective, do you now believe we're more on that ledger of the infinite game side? Yeah, I think one of the areas, too, that we could work on together, something that I've learned since we've been working together, is this uh, conflict between the vibrational setting in which you're playing. Uh, hear me out. One of the conflicts that I realized from coaching so many people, highest level chairmen of Fortune 10 companies now, all the way down to young entrepreneurs uh, that I help, is that if all of this is true that you're teaching, Mr. Meltzer, then why would I play a basketball game? Because it's a scarce environment. There is a winner and a loser. Mm. Right? In the context of the rules of the game, it's at one of the lower vibrations, right? We're constantly competing. It's a scarce in time. It's a scarcity in source. And, and score. It's a scarcity of individual and team. There's all these different lower vibrating things. But in that, what makes our lives so enjoyable is that if we have an awareness that we are just playing a game at this vibration, right? then we can maximize our participation and enjoyment of the game and still live at a higher vibrating level. So that if I want to go ahead and play a, a, a game you know, of one-on-one of -on -one basketball with you, I'm okay with being competitive and talking trash and, and, and you know, having judgments and conditions and being competitive and comparing ourselves and you know, making fun of you and, 
all the things that probably make the game much more enjoyable <laughs> under the context that I live my life in a different frequency. Sometimes right. we talk about, you know, it's not not where you visit, it's where you live. I'm coming to the realization that it's okay to visit the game, a lower vibrating. You can visit that, but you can't live there, right? It, as long as you acknowledge and you're aware and you recollect and remember that you live at a higher source and you don't take yourself so seriously, but you participate in something of a lower vibration, like a, a basketball game, because that's where we live at this vibration that you're pursuing to buy a bigger house or you want to experience what it's like to have a really cool sports car, or what, whatever it is. Those, those are great. And you want to extract the lessons of different vibrations so that you can align with other people that that may be where they live all the time. Uh, and you can go visit just like you visit different countries. You can go visit different vibrations that give you more ability to communicate effectively to those people at those vibrations. Right. So within that spectrum, it's like a, it's like a finite game within an infinite game. As long as you're aware that you're playing the finite game to be a tourist and not move in just to learn what it's like there. So now you can take that as a tool in your tool belt. That is fire. That is, that you is you talked fire. to us about Jerry Springer and who was, um, this was a while ago. The fat yeah. or something like that. I, I don't remember, but I, and Alan, you shared this with me recently. Somebody once told Alan, the people that you want to help so desperately, you're not willing to spend any time with. Right. And that's kind of a breakthrough of like, I think we're, you know, when you're trying to achieve, you obviously want to spend time at the highest vibration possible, but there is a lesson to learn at every, every single vibration, as long as you take the lesson and you don't move in. So that's, you don't move in. Yeah. You, yeah, that's you the key. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Right. And two, you know, what did I do to attract this to myself? If you're not intentionally moving in, right. Or visiting. So sometimes we, you know, go the wrong direction and end up in a, in a little town that we didn't expect to be in. And so remember not everyone. So now you ask yourself, what did I do? Uh, to attract this or to to be here and what am I supposed to learn from it sometimes we intentionally go to the basketball game and other times we're walking by and somebody grabs us and puts us into the game mm, right or we make a wrong turn and we end up somewhere the thing is that we have to have faith that what surrounds what surrounds us is what's important and therefore if we take the lesson from it it ends up being a blessing not a curse <clears throat> I once heard the quote intentional energy will always overpower unintentional energy. What is your take on that quote? And can you help everyone listening and us understand that at a deeper level? So if I walk into this room with an intention to ask you specific questions to increase my awareness, and Kevin doesn't set that intention, I might override him and then he might feel insecure about that. Yeah. So what's your take on that? Yeah. Well, remember intentions and aggregate. So if intention is the aggregate of our mindset, heart set, what we think they do and believe in our quantum memory, that aggregate of intending something is what causes the expansion of the walls of the container that creates the vacuum. If you go without intention, there's no pressure of expansion. Right now allowance there's so many multivariables in the universe if you're looking statistically at the randomness of what could occur if you don't set forth the intention so the, the the universe is expanding my intention expedites the expansion and also puts what i want into the vacuum kevin doesn't get to put what he wants in the vacuum if he doesn't have intention so he gets random 
Uh, right. But even worse, without intention, because of the subconscious and unconscious programming that we have, a lot of times we're putting in what other people want for us or what we don't want. Right. And so it's even worse than just not getting what he intended. He's usually getting something that's not what he intended. Because his focus is on fear subconsciously? Or his focus is on something other than what he wants. He hasn't gone through the why, what, what. He's just intending what subconsciously he may have uh, been inputted or educated or exposed to or quantumly genetically inherited or even at a higher level in the quantum nature of from past lives may have just been programmed uh, to go ahead and say autopilot. If I don't intentionally with the aggregate, say what I want to put into that vacuum, this is what always goes into there you know, obsessive compulsive behavior, alcoholism, drugs, doubt, unworthiness, unhealthiness, all the things that people do to themselves subconsciously and unconsciously. That's why intention is so critical because with the expansion comes a vacuum. With your intention comes the filler of that vacuum. Powerful. We were talking about, we want to reframe for people networking events to relationship building because I think there's a negative association with networking for some reason, but we saw you, we met you at one of your speeches. We actually missed your speech, but we were in, we were so intentional in getting to meet you that somebody literally grabbed us and brought us over to you. Right, literally. literally. Like we didn't have any actual physical action in like coming over. We were grabbed, yeah, we were taking photos and then brought it to was you. Interesting. It was very cool. But, but that was our intention. We were so into, we drove down to New Jersey to see you speak. We missed you speak. And then we, we got to meet you. I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, <laughs> I, I tell people like, the intention is more important than the arena. So if you're going to a networking or relationship building event, go in with the intention of getting out of your comfort zone, of making a friend, of learning about somebody. For you, when you enter a room, what is your intention? Depending on the so, room. Model. So there's a few things. Number one, I'm hoping that I come prepared into a room meaning prepared in the fact that I'm more interested than interesting, learning who's in the room, what capabilities they have, and what my ask may be, and what value I may be able to provide. So you guys came to New Jersey with that intention. You were more interested than interesting. And although circumstantially you may have missed what you thought was the purpose of you being there, the intention obviously was far greater than your, your own activity, right? The lower vibrating pragmatic process that you want to come up with a good plan, you know, you'll make God laugh. He has an easier and better plan for you, even though you guys were probably stressing and at the time going, we blew it and we drove all down here for nothing. You know, the allowance of intention is, is far. Now, so number one, be more interested than interesting, which allows you to set forth the value of both what you can provide and what you want to get and then finally, the one energetically for me is that, you know, 120 rule. Once I determine the value that I want to give and the value I want to receive, I want to make sure the value that I want to give has a five times charge to it, right? I'm carrying the energy that I am quantitatively able to articulate of what I can provide and what I, I will receive. And that's the 120 rule where, you know, I practice that energy every morning where I dream about handing $100 bills to people and asking for 20 back. I know what that feels like. So before I enter that room to network, I've done my research. I put forth my intention and I make sure that I'm carrying the 120 rule so that I automatically attract 
like you guys did, the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way to interact with what I'm intending, which in your uh, case was to meet me and to create a relationship of value, which if it's not living proof and you're not watching this uh, office hours, it works. Yeah, that was, works. That was, we also met, so your time got changed when you spoke and we ended up hearing Michael Burt speak. And then we met Michael Burt as well. And he's also taught us a lot. So it's just like that ended up better than we could have imagined. But yeah. in the parking lot, we were definitely like kind of freaking out. We couldn't find the right parking lot. And then when we got there, we're like, oh, no, we missed it. <laughs> Instead of like now, I feel like we would have been like, OK, let's just wing this. It'll be fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> times have changed. Um, how much more time do we have, Dave? We want to respect your time. Uh, I got well, how much you want? Uh, 12 hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the day as much as it's not detrimental well, to I, I know matt made his bed i see him there so we're good there what uh how, how about um is, is 10 minutes good absolutely absolutely yes thank you so much okay so i've got some other questions written here so dave i often ask my clients a simple question where can you make one decision now aka one commitment that eliminates the need for thousands of other decisions in the future one example of this might be one decision that I made when the gyms opened back up. I told Kevin, I told my girlfriend, I told myself, if I'm physically capable, I'm going to exercise every day for the rest of my life. Okay. So that's one decision that then eliminates the need for a bunch of contemplation in the future. So I'm not questioning it. What is your take on decision fatigue? Because a lot of people talk about like how Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every day because he wanted to focus on the important stuff. Is decision of fatigue from your perspective a thing? And how do you you know, navigate it in your own life to overcome it? Well, fatigue is a real thing. Physical, mental, emotional, financial fatigue is a real thing. And how do we counteract fatigue? Well, we build our muscles, right? We, we, the stronger the muscle, the less the fatigue. The same thing holds true with decisions. So when we build a muscle of decision-making capability, we can handle more and more decisions every day. Now, I totally understand Einstein and Jobs wearing the same clothes every day. Utilizing the same clothes every day allows you. Now, for me, I have a different system that allows me to make an easier decision So, uh, because I believe that that decision of what to wear is because you don't know when to make that decision, not that it's a difficult decision that should cause fatigue especially for extraordinary minds like Einstein and Jobs. My, my strategy is that uh, I believe in overlap. So if I'm spending time with my son and watching him playing, you know, a, a video game to be with him or sharing some sort of circumstance, why not create an opportunity for him to help me pick out my clothes or pick out my clothes while I'm sitting there with him after I'm a student in my calendar during a period of research time, which when you look at my set schedule or my adaptable schedule, both have study time included in it as a non-negotiable. And that study time is like working out at the gym, right? What's my first and primary goal, non-negotiable? A minute, a, a minimum of an hour on my health. I have a minimum in my set schedule of about three hours a day of studying right? Paying attention to, giving attention to the coincidences I want. What am I doing? I'm working out my decision-making capability. I'm working out my ability, knowing that I can only focus in on one thing at a time, on how quickly I can shift from one thing to another, and how firm and set I am on my values, which allow me to make decisions quickly. 
because I quickly can assess the personal experiential giving and receiving values and see how statistically aligned they are with what's going on. Therefore, it's work for me, just like a Kenyan marathon runner, it's less work for for a Kenyan marathon runner to run a four and a half minute mile than it would for me to run a seven and a half minute mile because they're been working out, right? they're, They're conditioned. Well, the cool thing is, you know, physical strength and conditioning is age uh, appropriate, meaning there, there is a factor of how the biochemistry of the body changes and with speed and strength and endurance and other things that you could work on. But the advantage of getting older is that the mind, the strongest muscle that we have, only gets stronger until, you know, a very late age. It only gets stronger until a very late age. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, you can see it, it doesn't take long for the speed, the, the fast twitch muscles, you know, it, it, you know, on average is going to be half the life of the fast twitch muscles of the brain. Mm. And so just consider it and put it into the realm of another muscle and you'll fully understand how decision making works. And, you know, you can easily uh, get fatigued of anything if you're not appropriately warming up, conditioning, working out, and winding down. Mm, my goodness. It's fire. My goodness. You have tons of philosophies. Be more interested than interesting. You have so many different philosophies. What are your philosophies on relationships, specifically like intimate partnered relationships with loved ones? Oh, <clears throat> so I think it's on the, the feed chain. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of attention on this feed chain right now and the questions and the people. So there's a, a feed chain in intimate relationships of if it feeds you, feed it. If it doesn't feed you, let it fall away. And if it bleeds you, fire it. And I think that holds especially true in intimate relationships. Uh, the other rule of intimate relationships to me is look for the superpowers. You know, I think one of the biggest travesties of having intimate relationships is we get a comfort level and take it for granted the superpower that affected us initially that intimate relationship. We start looking for what we don't want in that intimate relationship. We start looking for and and taking the wrong perspective, like the trash, right? I we start taking I got to do instead of I get to do. And, uh, you know, finding the light, the love, and the lessons in the most important, most relative people in our lives. Uh, it's very easy when you've been around someone a long time to know the, the, the faults, you know, the, the lessons they need to learn. And if we only focus in on and take the perspective that that's a shortage, avoid an obstacle, a corrosion, and an interference between our connection, you're just going to get more of the shortage, avoid the obstacle, the corrosion, and interference in your connection with that person. If you focus in on the superpowers and you find that, you know, the shortages, voids, obstacles, and interference, you know, in a switch of a mindset is something that you deem to be cute instead of annoying, it's amazing how your relationship changed. I, I went from in my own relationship with my wife finding certain things super cute and, and attractive to me to super annoying and distractive to back to cute and attractive, mm. right? I used to laugh at certain things. And then when I started taking them seriously and making them an interference, avoid a shortage in my relationship, I got more of it. And instead of, you know, the simplest, I think my number one 
TikTok video was just simply, I've been married 23 years. And if I focus on my wife being a queen, I'm married to a queen. If I focus on her being an annoying B word, I get an annoying B word. <laughs> Very true. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Dave, uh, one thing I want to ask you is how do you know when you're, so I've been telling my clients this because this is an awareness that I came into recently. I personally believe that fulfillment, not pleasure, but fulfillment is proof that you're aligned with your highest self. What is your take on fulfillment? And what I'm often asking myself is where am I chasing pleasure at the expense of fulfillment? Because maybe I choose this challenging thing that will fulfill me that I won't regret it because I'm consistently pursuing my potential versus this pleasure thing of eating these Oreos, which are delicious in the moment, but I'll regret later. So what's your take on fulfillment and how can we use that to know when we're outside of integrity with our highest self? Fulfillment to me parallels happiness. Happiness is the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. So if we're feeling unfulfilled, we're feeling unhappy. And so as a thermometer in my life, Right. I'm not using my bank account or some other outcome in order to determine my happiness. I'm using the actual way that I feel mentally, physically, spiritually, financially feel. And when those things are in pursuit, you know, just like I make fun of my friend Chris Gardner for writing the book and living the life and doing the movie with Will Smith called The Pursuit of Happiness. I always said he screwed that up. He should have named it. Happiness is the pursuit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, that pursuit of the expansion of the ability to feel fulfilled and happy, those are simultaneously and analogously the same thing. So for me, you know, it is the enjoyment process. So can you enjoy doing something every day without quitting in the pursuit? Nobody's sad when they're pursuing, right? No one's sad, right? You're fulfilled. That, that pursuit is what you enjoy. And it's so hard to put our mindset and our heart set to the pursuit. In fact, we avoid the pursuit, you know, especially if you look and use it analogously towards working out. I have that saying, you know, the first 10 minutes suck, no matter how great of an athlete you are. If we could videotape, you know, the 10 minutes before somebody has to go to practice, work out, go get taped or to the trainer or whatever, you know, there's resistance there, even though, you know, I've never finished a workout and said, God, I'm really bummed I did that. Right. Never. My right. whole life. Never at the end of a workout did I say, man, that sucked. I just, <laughs> I wish I didn't do this. Not once. Not one time. Every single time I'm like, God, so glad I did that. Right. But yet, still, even though <laughs> that's the outcome, this week, I promise you, I'm going to get up and go, oh, I don't want to. Oh. <laughs> right? And then I'll get 10 minutes into my run or bike or rowing or lifting. And I'll be like, oh, this is great. And by the end, I'm like, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> I, the bigger question, which I'm going to leave you guys with is, right? Like, why can't the human mind, body, and soul just remember, recollect that things are good? <laughs> you have to create this resistance beforehand and not remember or recollect that, hey, working out is like a super good thing. I've never had a bad result. <laughs> right. I'm setting the intention now, Dave. Next time we're in uh, Cali, we got to hit the weight room, me, you, and Alan. Don't, can... 
that, we still have that photo. Of it looks 57, but it's only 52. That's it. <laughs> Dave, what can we do for you as always? Listen, we've been listening to the trainings. What else can we do? Uh, you know, just share my content and do good deeds. I have a new show with uh, Dave McCourt, McCourt and Melter, Melter McCourt. Uh, I'm big, big proponent that, you know, we fought so hard in America uh, for the right to express ourselves as one. And I have a fear that people are separate and segregated. And I'm a non-political person. I'm an act activating person, meaning, hey, look, everybody go out there and vote for what you want. And just like individually, if you vote for what you want, that will be elected individually. We have all fought really hard in America as a collective consciousness. We vote for what we want and the majority will elect what they want in all aspects of, of what we do. And we fought really hard and people gave up their lives. And I just want to encourage people vote in all aspects as an individual and as a collective for what you want in your life. Don't vote for what you don't want. Don't vote for what other people want for you. Vote for what you want. And we get an opportunity in November to vote. So I'm doing a show, Get Out and Vote with Dave McCourt. The billionaire is successful. You know, the McCourts uh, own the Dodgers, Frank McCourt, his brother. So uh, we're, we're out there, non-political, just trying to get people to express themselves in an individual and collective way to get out and vote. So get out and vote and tell people to get out and vote, okay? We'll do. You got it. Thank you Thank so you much for always, the extra Dave. time, Dave. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, it would mean the world to us if you would share this with your friends. And if you have any questions, please reach out to Kevin or myself. Our contact information is in the show notes, and we can't wait to hear from you. Guys, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. So if you would kindly leave us a review on iTunes, that would help us make more people hyper-conscious.